It's that time again. It's Greek for the week. I'm Chris Palmer. Let's open our Bibles and get right down to the original language, the Greek. Well, it is the new year, and it's Greek for the week. The first Greek for the week in the year 2020. So we welcome you to the new year, and we expect that God's blessing is going to be upon your life. You have a clean slate. Now, you are given a clean slate in Christ Jesus, but if as human beings, many times the year signifies to us, hey, it's a chance to start over. But I just remind you that if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. So really, you don't need a new year to be forgiven for your sins and et cetera, et cetera. But a new year certainly can be helpful to get our lives on track. And we want to we wanna take advantage of that, right? We want to take advantage of that. We want to start the new year, right? And what a better way to start the new year than to start with a study on prayer. Because a lot of us, as we go in the new year, say, hey, I'm going to make this change. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to eat better. Uh, maybe make more money. Maybe take the risks that you've been wanting to take for so long. You want to take it in this year. So you're making decisions like this. And one of the best decisions that you can make is, hey, I'm going to spend more time in prayer with the Lord at the feet of Jesus. And so I, th- I-, I thought and said, best way to kick off the New Year's. Let's talk about prayer. And I really try some way when I preach to incorporate prayer, even just pepper or salt it into a message because prayer is fellowship with God in the essence of it. And if you think about it, prayer is really what the New Covenant gives us the advantage to do. There's so many so many allusions in the New Testament, things said about prayer in the New Testament that uh, you know we really can't go long. You can't go long stretches of the New Testament without encountering prayer either by precept or in a story or a command. So, hey, precepts, commands, it's all in there. And we're going to talk about it from the book of Romans. We'll start in Romans this year, 2020. And I love Romans because I did, I did when I was doing my master's degree, we, uh, at my, um, I'd say my overseeing professor, he was a Pauline scholar. So he was writing a New Testament commentary at the time on Romans. And, you know, professors, they like to give to you where they're working out of. <laughs> and they work with the class and they kind of use... The class debated test their their ideas, and uh, we were in Romans a lot. And and so when I started doing my PhD studies, said I said uh, not gonna be working in Paul because I I was wore out by the time I got my master's degree. Uh, so um, Romans chapter one and nine through ten. Now it says here in the in the English, for God is my witness. That I'm gonna read from the ESV. For God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of His Son, that without ceasing. I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will I may now at last succeed in coming to you. Mm, now, before we get into the Greek, one thing I did say and I teach is that the best thing you can do in biblical studies, one of the best things, is to commit as much information as you can into your brain and to, to get to know and become accommodated with that information. Because when you bring correct pre-understanding to the scripture, it enables your thinking to move in more directions. So the more you know about a book of the Bible or an author of the Bible who's writing the book or the situation, things that historical critical uh, insights can provide, or not just historical critical, but narrative insights can provide, if you know those things and have those things committed to your heart and into your memory, you can bring that correct understanding into the Scripture, and then when you see a Scripture, you're able to move in more directions and the Holy Spirit really is able to take that due diligence that you've given the text, and he's able to 
bring forth more insight out of the scripture. And there's just some things that I've noticed, not to say that God can't do it, but one thing I've noticed is that the Holy Spirit, you know, he really never ever taught me uh, through prayer anything contextual about the scripture in the sense of when this was written, who's this written to, things that only study really gives to you. Now, he could. I'm, just, I'm not saying he can't do that. But typically, that comes through study. And that really, that provides so much insight and, and enriches the text so much more. Now, the first century Christians really didn't have to do that because they were in the context. They knew what was going on. They didn't have to examine their own context and their own situation because they were in it. But so many things are said that it's taken for granted that the audience knows those things. And... Uh, they didn't have to acquaint themselves with it, so they read differently than a 21st century reader. And so we have to make up the difference. It's okay. It helped. It's good to do that, and it helps us. But nonetheless, the Holy Spirit is able to take what we're learning and bring it and reveal it to us in 21st century ways. And that, you know, when I do my Greek for the Week books or Greek for the Weeks, uh, even now on podcast or even on Greek, uh, the, the one-minute clip I put every week, uh, that's a, a thumbnail or shorter version of this. I always try to bring that out for 21st century application, okay? 2020 application, as we'd say now that we're in the new year. Uh, and so, but the more you acquaint yourself with the text, the more that God is going to be able to really do more with it. You can move in more directions. It really gets exciting, and, it, and that's maybe a goal for you in 2020. Okay, so I say that because when we come to Romans chapter 1, 9 through 10, if you know a little bit about the Apostle Paul and his relationship with the church at Rome or in Rome, you can see something interesting about this. And basically, it's the fact that the Apostle Paul had never been to Rome. He hadn't been there. He had not gotten there at this point in his ministry. He did get there. We see that in the end of the book of Acts. He was in Rome. Uh, but by this point, he wasn't, he wasn't there just yet. And he was longing to get there, and he had a desire in his heart to get there. And not only that, this was not one of Paul's churches, okay? So he wasn't the pastor of the church. He hadn't set the church up, and he didn't have <clears throat> any type of apostolic jurisdiction or perhaps a better word is governance over this church. Um, now, he could tell the church, he could command the church, but it wasn't necessarily his to control like perhaps Ephesus was. So that being said, there was probably... Not probably, there was a lot of people that Apostle Paul didn't know in the Church of Rome. He didn't know these people. So knowing that Paul didn't have governance over this church, he wasn't the pastor, and that he was unfamiliar with a lot of the people in this church, not all of them, because he does greet some of them at the end, but a majority of them, he didn't know. And look what he still says. I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed all over the world, for God is my witness, whom... I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son that without ceasing, and the Greek word here is adeleptois, which me, well, let's wait for a second here. I mention you always, pantote, in my prayers, prosuke. So the Apostle Paul is using hyperbolic language here when he says without ceasing. I'm sure that Paul slept at night and ate and breathed, and I don't think 24-7 he was praying for the church at Rome, but he means a whole lot. And then he says, always. So <clears throat> if you take it, Aleptois, and you take Pentote, and you put those, those two hyperbolic, constructive uh, words together, he's constructing hyperbole here, all right, to make you know that 
This was a lot of prayer. This was probably at times very intense prayer. It was heartfelt prayer. And it was personalized prayer, even though he didn't know a lot of them, probably had never met many of them, and didn't really have an interest in controlling that church. He still had very heartfelt prayer for them. And that tells us something very important, especially as we go into the new year, that oftentimes as we pray for people, maybe more often than we think at least, that God will lead us to pray for people we don't even know, that we have never met, people that maybe are not part of our closest few, those people that are not in our closest circles, that are not a part of our social interactions and social spheres. And you say, well, how can God have you pray for somebody like that? And it was such heartfelt, intense, personalized prayer. Well, it's simply because prayer is led by the Holy Spirit. You can pray for people that you don't know. And I'm going to give you an example of this that happened to me this morning, okay? The Holy Spirit pulled somebody up from the past and placed them in my heart. Somebody that I went to elementary school with. Now, I'm 35, and and so elementary school is a long time ago. We're talking 94, 93, and places this person who I don't know, have not talked to in many, many years, familiar with them because of being a, uh, in, in grade school. They weren't even in my class. I was graduated class of 2002. They would have been 2001 in high school. And has me praying for this person, okay? Has me praying for this individual. And you say, well, how do you know? <laughs> how do you know they're still alive? Well, thanks to technology, I was able actually looked them up later and, uh, and found them, uh, and they're LinkedIn. And they're still alive. They're still kicking. But I was praying for that individual. I didn't tell the person. I, don't, I didn't feel a need to reach out to that person and tell them, hey, you remember me from 20 years ago? I was praying for you today. Okay, have a nice life. No, I didn't do that, but I was praying for that individual and praying the blessing of God over their life, praying 2020 would be a blessing, and just praying for them from a distance. Didn't have to know them, don't have any special interest in their life, but praying as the Holy Ghost leads. And I can tell you that when you pray that way, it becomes very, very exciting. You never know. I mean, let's talk 21st century. You may pray for an Instagram follower. You may pray for somebody that you pass in the mall. And the Holy Spirit may not necessarily lead you to tell them about Jesus, or or he may tell you to tell them about Jesus. I don't know. Or he may just say, hey, pray for them. Pray for their marriage. Pray for their kids. Pray. He may lead you in a specific direction. You know something? We shouldn't put the brakes on it and say, well, I don't know them. God's not going to ask me to pray for people I don't know. Well, Apostle Paul here in Romans 1, 9 and 10, he's praying for people that he really Probably many of them had never met, at least the church itself. Now, he's familiar with the church, but you understand what I mean. He's going to lead you to pray for people that are not in your social interactions all the time. So, yes, you should pray for yourself. I, I'm a firm believer. Jesus says, get, you pray to the Father, give us this day our daily bread. And to pray for the people that are closest to you. You should pray for your husband and your wife and your father, your mother, your kids, and et cetera, et cetera. But also pray for the spirit, uh, the people that the spirit places in your heart, and that could be somebody simply as a person you want past, a uh, person that likes your Facebook post and you don't know them, or I don't know. Let God lead you and see where that leads you. It'll be a blessing to you. I think that's a really exciting way to enhance your prayer life as uh, you you make it into the new year. And we see that in Romans nine, one nine and ten with the Greek word adleptois and pantote, praying always for you in my prayer with heartfelt prayer. And affection. And you'd be surprised how 
deep you can go into that prayer and pray for somebody, how deep that prayer can actually become for somebody to know. Because the truth is, God is looking for intercessors on the earth to pray for people. And why does he tap us at certain times to pray for certain people that are not necessarily in our lives? This is a mystery prayer. I don't, you know, there's a lot of books on prayer. And I think that there's so many books on prayer over the years because prayer is something we can uh, expound and we can discuss from Scripture. We can explicate from Scripture. We can also look to personal testimonies. I mean, I'm a Pentecostal, and, and, and not just Pentecostals are storytellers in a good sense. They tell stories and testimonies, but Scripture is storytelling, and we need to look to our own stories within our community about how God is working through the realms of prayer. But there's also a mystery of prayer that I don't pretend to know at all on how prayer works. There's just certain mysteries about prayer that I'm, I really... You know, I really look forward to getting into the presence of God and being in eternity with the Lord to maybe ask Him and say, "Hey, why did you do it this way? Or why did you do it? Why did you do it that way?" Uh, but I do know prayer transforms. I do know prayer works, and I say that not only from Scripture, but I say it from my own personal life. There's just something about spending time in prayer, the way that the Spirit of God leads you, that is transformative to your heart, it's transformative to your life. It gives clear direction. It gives you clear decision-making skills, and and the knowledge and the, uh, the the ability to go forward with confidence into those things. Even when you don't know, you can still trust God. I know that prayer connects you to the heart of God, and it causes your trust or your faith in Christ to be stronger, to execute, all right? So pray for people as God leads you. Amen? Just want to remind you, Letters from Jesus, Studies from the Seven Churches of Revelation. It is available on Amazon.com. If you haven't gotten it yet, it's available. Pick it up today. Make sure you get a five-star review. It'll be a blessing. If it's a blessing to you, give it a five-star. Let the Amazon people on Amazon know that this is a good book that's enriching my life, okay? I'd appreciate it. Share this podcast with a friend. Rate this podcast five stars if you like it. And uh, we'll talk to you next time on Greek for the Week. Happy New Year. And go forward in this this last few, these, these first few days in the new year. Uh, blessed and highly favored the Lord. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to support us further, you may visit us on the web at lightoftoday.org. God bless and good studying.